Welcome to the Bruins Benders Podcast, presented by Anchor. It's episode four. We appreciate everyone listening. I am Maddie, and my co-host is one of the last true goons in hockey, Smitty. Absolutely. I yeah, love the like pugilism. I love to beat people up. <laughs> I'm just I'm just smacking people around. I, I've been in I've been one fight my entire life and I lost. So yeah, uh, yeah not not a great track record. Yeah. Similar to Connor Clifton. I was just going to say, me and Connor Clifton have a lot in common. We both can't skate, we both can't fight, and we both really don't add much to the Bruins. No. no. Right. Right. Yeah, it's just uh, a little bit more than you do, maybe. Slightly. Hey, new sponsor. And we're proud to announce that Lops Brewing is our new sponsor. And Lops Brewing is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And it specializes in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week. And you know what? You can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. So visit lopsbrewing.com and follow them on social media at lopsbrewing. That's L-O-P-S. Brewing right there in Woonsocket. So that's good news for us. New sponsor. Yeah, that's fantastic news. It's a great little microbrewery down in Woonsocket. They have tons of great beers. Bruins and, and beers kind of go together, don't they? They do. You know, ever since the gallery gods back in the old garden, they were all drunk. I mean, it's like Bruins and beers, Lops and the Bruins Benders podcast. It's like Oates and Neely, right? <laughs> it it's is. It's like Peterson and Middleton, like Bergeron and Marchand. I mean, yeah. we, it's, it's like, you know. It's like, it's like Cliffy and Smitty. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like Connor Clifton and me or Trent Frederick and you. <laughs> Go together, yes, yeah, like peanut butter and jelly. They certainly like beers do. and Bruins. Yeah. Very excited to have them as a, as a oh, sponsor, sure. and uh, you all should go and check it out. I think uh, all the Bruins fans out there, especially those in uh, southeastern Mass and, and Rhode Island, should head on over and uh, enjoy some good beverages. And absolutely, some good beer there. So we're happy to have Lops Brewing on the podcast as a sponsor. So big week this past week, lots to get to, and we'll begin with that game against the Edmonton Oilers at home. A disappointing 5-3 loss, and I thought that obviously the problems were the same sort of issues that the Bruins have had when they lose, and that's turnovers and puck management and that glaring turnover by Brandon Carlo giving it to Leon Dreisaitl for a goal. No secondary scoring, again, reliant on the top line and issues on defense. And one other thing about it, you know, it just doesn't seem like a lot of times when they do have a mistake or an error or a mental lapse, just doesn't seem like they get that big save. It always seems to go in the net. And um, that happened in this game here. A game that the Bruins, I thought, played fairly well at times. And the Nosek line did fairly well against Connor McDavid. But it was the turnovers that really was their downfall. Yeah, I, I agree. Bad third periods up until that point had been a problem. Too many turnovers, bad plays in the third period cost them too many passengers. Like you said, not enough secondary scoring. You know, that's kind of a few issues we're going to have to look at as the season moves along. How is their third period goal differential? You know, are they getting the secondary scoring? And then the defense, you know, the issues with the turnovers has been an issue all year so far. And uh, so then on Saturday... They had a rebound against the Devils team that was pretty hot and has been a surprise. It was 7-2-2 two two coming in, and the Bruins did well to get the win. And it was nice to see some secondary scoring. And, you know, Marchand was was leading the way. And what I pulled out of it was, was one of their better games, and Marchand obviously led the way early, uh, helped them to sort of, and then everybody sort of followed suit. And the Bruins, I thought, dominated much of the game, really. 
They did. It was a good win overall. Uh, they did get some secondary scoring. You know, the defense was tightened up a little bit. And Marchand had his 50th career two-goal game. Wow. That. And then McAvoy had three points, and he was, he was dominant on the back end. So it was, a, it was a nice overall win, like you said, against the Hot Devils team. Yeah, and it was a much-needed win because, you know, it was on the road. It was a matinee, which, you know, the Bruins historically been kind of a snooze fest here and there on matinee games. They came off that really tough loss, and Cassidy was on not only the team but himself after that game. He really started to question their mental, maybe some mental uh, fatigue there or really questioning confidence level of the team. We were able to bounce back, and it's, it's been something they've been able to do over the years with this core group, and I thought that that was a really nice win for them against the Devils. And then Sunday, back-to-back. Now, here's a game. If it wasn't Montreal, it's probably a trap type of game. The next night after you get a big win, you feel like you got the monkey off your back, so to speak. And then Montreal gets a couple early leads, one on a lucky bounce, and you think, oh, God, here we go. But the Bruins dominated much of the game from then on out, and Charlie McAvoy led the way in this one. Had a couple of goals, and he was aggressive offensively, I thought, which we need to see from him. And I've mentioned before on the podcast where for that salary, he needs to be in the 50, 60 point you know, total for the season. He's on pace to get 70 points now, Yeah, really tracking well for him. And it's going to be, you know, sort of a team that as far as he goes, the team will go. I think he was excellent in, in this game. It was really a night for the Charlies because McAvoy had two. Charlie Coyle had two, which you really like to see the production from the second line center. He's been great so far, five goals so far on the season. I thought they had a sleepy first. It didn't look like they were ready. It kind of did look like a trap game early on where they weren't really engaged. And then, you know, McAvoy kind of took over and the team definitely as a whole kind of picked it up after that slow first and, and dominated for the remainder of the game. They did. And it was a, you know, it ended up being a two on one week for them and now to eight and five and feel a little bit better about themselves after a couple of, you know, back-to-back wins. It would be nice to see them though, really compete against the upper echelon of the league. I know the Devils were off to a pretty surprising start. It'll be interesting to see how, how well they do toward the, you know, toward the end of the year, but Montreal has struggled in the beginning of the year. So it'd be nice to see them against some better competition, give the same type of effort, same type of 60 minutes as well. So here's a segment we do called Seven Chirps. And, you know, going forward, I'd like to see, you know, if you want to tweet to us at Bruins Benders, uh, you can send us a tweet or send us an email at BruinsBenders at gmail.com uh, and send us, you know, a question you'd like to get a response from us from. And, and we like to get it a little bit interactive. So here's seven chirps, seven statements that we have in regards to the team every week. Number one, defensive issues are certainly front and center. And it's obviously not only is it the bottom probably the bottom pair, but also the top pair and who will play with McAvoy on a consistent basis. I did like what I saw from Jakobs Borrell the last couple of games, but I wouldn't throw him in the top pair anytime soon. Like I'd like to see him just bide his time in the third pair, but it's really an issue uh, going forward. And the defense is going to dictate how far this team goes. No, no question. I think the defense and how the pairs kind of shake out will be something that we'll watch and talk about all season long. Who's going to play with McAvoy? Is Grizzlick and Kylo really the right fit for each other? It doesn't seem like it right now. They're both kind of making mistakes and and kind of turning the puck over. So, you know, who's the best fit there? Is Riley going to kind of rebound and get back into the lineup? Is Clifton 
going to watch the games from now on. Certainly hope so. Uh, will John Moore see a little more ice time? Because I thought he was actually decent in that game that he played. So there's some questions there. Uh, Forbort, I haven't really noticed him much. So mm. that's actually a good sign because he's supposed Probably to be a did. defensive defenseman, chipped in a little offensively. So maybe he's finding his footing a little bit. So that's kind of nice to see. But it's definitely going to be something that's uh, addressed as we end the year goes on. No question. Number two, penalty problems. This team seems to make some really, you know, sometimes boneheaded penalties, you know, just needless penalties. Some of the penalty on Clifton, I think it was on Saturday against New Jersey, where he just ran the guy over as the other defenseman was taking the puck. Clear interference. I mean, I don't know what you're thinking. You know, the, whoever it was on, on the Devils sort of sold it. You can't throw a shoulder into the guy when, when, when your defenseman has the puck and is trying to get away from him. That's just a clear interference. Just stuff like that. There's some too many men on the ice. Line changes have been an issue. And they've led to goals, opposition goals, and they've also led to taking penalties. So that needs to be cleaned up as well. And that's something that shouldn't be, you know, a thing. Now, they do have new players specifically on the bottom two, you know, lines, but still you shouldn't be having line change issues. No, I, I think the penalties are definitely a problem. I mean, they've taken some offensive zone penalties, some lazy penalties. You know, Clifton the other night, there was one where uh, a guy, a forechecker, was bearing down on him, and he just threw it in the crowd. Yeah, the guy was the guy. The guy was coming. He was going to get hit, and he just panicked and threw it in the stance. Like you mm. can't have that. You know, no. absorb the hit, eat the puck, whatever you have to do. Don't throw it in the fucking crowd. I mean, come no. on. Yeah, the penalties are still a problem. They really got to clean that up if they want to go further because they're going to start facing teams with really good power plays and it's going to bite them. And their own power play has been better. But you can't just be out there trying to match power play goals with people or, or giving up, you know, five, six chances a game and expect your penalty kill to, to be good and to be able to bail you out. It's just not going to happen. No. Particularly with, with inexperienced, you know, largely inexperienced goaltending too. Because your goaltender a lot of times is your best penalty killer. And if you put that kind of pressure on the goaltending right now, I just don't think that's a recipe for success either. So I think you need to stay out of the box for sure. Number three, does Jake DeBrus care more about getting Oreos from the fans or playing hard and winning games? <laughs> Poor Jake. He likes he likes getting the they play rock paper scissors or whatever and and yeah. and you know if he wins the fans give him Oreos which is super Oreos are are wonderful snack food but yes. uh, maybe <laughs> maybe get ready for the game maybe get your legs moving we've been on the DeBrus bandwagon that he is going to have a rebound year it started off pretty well lately hasn't been great. He had some really bad defensive sequences in that in that Oilers game where he just let people walk right around him for goals or gave up and didn't try. It seems like he's not in great shape either, which kind of blows my mind for this team and this the culture that they have, that they would kind of allow a guy to just dog it. Like, it seems like he's not skating that hard. He's out there for a shift. He's not skating that hard. And, you know, then he gets an offensive chance. He's flying, and then it doesn't happen for him, and he has to back check, and he's loafing it. That can't happen. Like, you have to be no. more professional than that. So Jake's got to clean it up a little bit and I'll give him some Oreos if he, if he back checks more. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. And you give him those discontinued blonde Oreos. Any day <laughs> week, not, yeah, I love those things. So I'm keeping those for myself, but <laughs> right, those are good. Uh, okay. Number four, Ryan Lambert tweeted a sports writer said they prefer to watch the games from a more romantic point of view, not using all these advanced stats and metrics. So how do you watch the games? 
I'm kind of an in-between. So I like to watch the games and do kind of the eye test. This guy is turning the puck over all the time. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> this right. guy is throwing the puck into the crowd. This oh guy God. can't skate. This guy can't skate backwards. Things like that. The Corsi stats and all that stuff. I mean, it is good. And it, I think it does show players value. And there's certainly room for the analytics and all that stuff. But I feel like it's kind of more a mixture. Are you sitting there with, you know, some nice, you got a like fragrance of love scented candle and, and, (laughs) you know, yeah, lavender and you're, you're kind of, uh, got some oils and lotions and you're just, uh, getting a little romantic with yourself as you watch the games. How how do you, I mean, maybe in the playoffs, but right now, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I I don't know. It's the, that's uh, a long season. It's a long season. You can't, that's a, I'm going to go through a lot of lavender. Yeah. yeah, Uh, A lot of lotions. I'll tell you what, I'm the same way. I, I'm an eyeball test, and then I'll look at the stats to see if my eyes right. are proving me wrong. Yes. Like, I'll look at the stats like I did today before we recorded. Like, I'll look at the stats and say, okay, maybe this guy has this stat that's pretty good, or this is why Clifton's playing, or what have you. I think that most of the time, my eyeballs are in real good cohesion. Lock stats. Yeah. Like I know if this guy tends to suck this week, he's a bender and I am justified in my opinion. And I'm with you. I, advanced stats matter for sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I tend to think that, you know, we really take a look at advanced stats when a guy's going really well. And then we'll look at the stats and be like, well, like Matt Grizzick has some really good advanced stats, you know, overall. And that's, you know, pretty telling because most of the time he's a fairly reliable player. Now he's had some hiccups here and there with advanced playing time. But I think that he's a guy that has pretty good Corsi numbers and Charlie Coyle has pretty good possession numbers and so forth. But again, I can tell that Coyle has a puck for 30 seconds of shift, but I can also tell he doesn't score the hell of a lot. You know, I can tell that too. So it is a, it is a balance. And uh, look, stats can create an argument either way. They can be deceiving and they can be telling. And I think that you have to decide, you know, which is which, to be honest. All right. So number five, secondary scoring. Is it solved? Eric Halla had a goal. Fourth line scored. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hear me. So Halla did score. I don't think particularly that the secondary scoring is anywhere close to being rectified. I think that occasionally you'll see a guy kick one in, but I'd like to see it a more, you know, and not just the scoring, it's the more chances being noticeable on the ice like we're really hemming in the defense we're, we're banging on them you know we're getting the cough it up we're getting a couple chances on the goaltender and then the next thing you know, the top line comes out and you set them up for success kind of thing and that whole rotation where they're carrying momentum and now they get an offensive draw and here comes the top line and they get an offensive draw sequence and they score you know that's where it really helps too i don't think it's rectified no, it's it's not it's not solved, but it's it's definitely trending in the right direction, and, and they need that, and and it's nice to see. You know, Hollis scored, Coyle had a couple the other night. Right. If the second line and third line are chipping in, the defense is starting to chip in a little bit. You know, if that happens, that'll go a long way to uh, kind of improving the balance and how far they can go in the playoffs for sure. Yeah, number six has the team developed an identity. Now, this is an interesting question because their identity right now is is basically top line in McAvoy or bust. Really, that's what it is. I mean, if they are going well and they score a couple of goals and McAvoy is involved offensively and defensively and, and really dictating the pace of the game, then they're pretty good. If that doesn't happen and the, and the top line gets shut down or has an off night, the odds of them winning that game are very slim. So their identity right now is basically we're a one-line team offensively in a one 
defenseman team, and that's really about it. So their identity has to either be dictated by the defense. I mean, is the defense going to come together, and is Brandon Carlo going to take an, you know another step forward and be a little bit more physical and active and and shut down type defenseman? Uh, and then the offense, you know, the secondary scoring needs to you need know, to get more balanced scoring. And they're really not a hard-hitting team. They're really not a physical team. And I don't know how much of a finesse team they really are either. It's just I don't, I'm not sure what their identity is. I'm not sure what their identity is at all. I feel like they want to be hard to play against. They want to be strong defensively. They want to be good in transition. And all those things do happen on occasion, but it's not consistent at all. The defense needs to be better at retrieving pucks and making the first pass out of their zone. They have trouble getting out of their zone if it's not McAvoy or Grizzlick, sometimes Riley. So they need to be better kind of in all areas. And I think their identity right now is that top line. If that top line does not produce, they don't win. I mean, that's they that's don't. all there is to it. If right. Marshan, Bergeron, and, and Pasternak are held off the score sheet, that team is not winning. And it's no. been like that for a few years. So mm-hmm. until that secondary scoring, until that second line, until Paul and Felino and Halla and, and Coyle kind of make that a more consistent production, mm-hmm. then they're going to struggle in the games where the top line doesn't score. Again, this is another example of, you know, David Krejci left. Have they really filled that void? And they really haven't filled the playmaking void with him, not only at 5-1-5, but also in the power play unit when he came on. And they put him on that number one unit, and it started to produce, started to click. Uh, he's the playmaker type that they don't really have at center. They have a good two-way center in Bergeron, a pretty good two-way center in Coil. You know, they're no sick, and they don't really have a playmaker at center. So I think that that's something that they could really use, particularly in 5-on-5 play, where they could generate some goals, even strength, because as the year goes on and as the playoffs come, there'll be less and less power play opportunities. They call less penalties. And then number seven, Bruce Cassidy, very critical of the team after the Edmonton loss, very critical of Taylor Hall, in particular recently, sat him for the last seven, eight minutes of a game recently, uh, and also critical of himself. Is it okay, do you think, for Cassidy to say things like that about the team in the media, and is it justified, is he accurate to blame himself for some of it? It is okay for him to say that stuff in the media because I think he would say it to the players. He's very straightforward. He probably has said it to the players prior to saying it to the media, so I don't think that it's anything like they're getting ambushed by his comments or anything like that. I think he's pretty straightforward with all the guys. So I don't think any of that is news to the players, the criticisms and so forth. As for criticizing himself, yeah, it it does ultimately land on him. If the team isn't prepared, if the team is making mistakes, similar mistakes over and over again, if the players aren't playing up to their potential, if they're making errors, you know, within the system, whatever the case may be, it ultimately, it all goes back to him. So he should be critical of himself when the team isn't performing up to their capabilities. I mean, Bill Belichick does that, you know, whenever they lose, it's, you know, we got to play better. We got to coach better. We got to do everything better. I, I think it does. It does fall on the coach to get the team to perform up to their abilities. It is. And I think that in a couple of instances, number one, like we mentioned before, bad line changes, too many men on the ice penalties, those types of, those are coaching type of things that you have to iron out. And also something like, you know, with the Jake DeBrus situation, you know, how are you getting the most out of him? Like we've heard about this for a year and a half now, really. We're trying to get Jake going. We're trying to get Jake going. Okay. Well, at some point you have to decide, is it not working or, or what have you? So there are some 
you know, Taylor Hall is another one. He seems to be not playing at the same motivational level as he was at the end of last year. Why not? Can we get Taylor back to being aggressive and being the leader on that second line? So I think it's okay for Bruce to, to call himself out like that. I think the players probably respect it too because he is critical of the players. Telling it like it is. I think it's refreshing. I think that's one good quality that I like about Cassidy, to be honest with you, is the way he does that uh, in the press conferences. So those are the seven chirps. If you want to participate, just send us a tweet at Bruins Benders or send us an email, BruinsBenders at gmail.com. We'll take a quick break and come right back with the Whipping Boys right after this. Bruins fans, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So go ahead and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And we're back on the Bruins Benders podcast presented by Anchor and sponsored by Lops Brewing. And it's time now for our whipping boys checking in on them. Mine's fairly easy. Smitty, I got Trent Frederick and he's injured. So he will only give positive reinforcements to the team from the ninth floor. Do you want to do you want to take like an auxiliary whipping boy while Frederick is yes. out? Maybe maybe yes. have, you know, a stand in. My stand in is Jake DeBrusque. Okay. Uh, and I will speak a little bit more about Jake DeBrusque, but how about this stat that I read today about Jake DeBrusque? Played 13 games, okay? Guess how many hits he has in 13 games? 10. Four. Guess wow. how many hits he had in game one? Four. Two. Oh. <laughs> so he's had two hits in 12 games. He had a goal and two hits in the, in the first game of the year. First game of the year. And we said, here's the real Jake. And then 12 games since, he has two hits and two goals, one an empty netter. Pretty much set up for him in a game against the Devils where he fell down and stayed down while they went the other way and, way, other way and scored. So he didn't have a very good game at all against New Jersey. Got a cheap empty netter. And I'll tell you what, I wanted Jake DeBrus to rebound like anybody else. And, and it was all trending there. We've had talks with Jake and Jake's in a better mindset. He's not in the bubble. You know, now they're playing a full season. He's away from whatever, you know, type of mental issues he might have had or, or any type of trouble processing what was happening back then, which is totally 100% okay. Many players have talked about it. But now we keep hearing about, well, he's going to be better. He's better now. And he comes out first game and he's better. And then since then, he's been the same old Jake. So he's my... He's my whipping boy uh, while Trent Frederick recovers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My, my whipping boy is Connor Clifton. Connor has not really covered himself in glory this week. So he has played 11 games. He has one assist. He has 15 penalty minutes, one lost fight, and he's minus four. So he's not really adding anything. He's not really doing anything. He's had probably two good games, maybe three out of the 11. He's my whipping boy. Uh, I really would like him to be not injured, but watching the games with Frederick. I, I agree. I, you know, Connor has... Uh... 
not really offered much to the team. And I bet you those other five penalties were bad. One of them I know was bad, that interference penalty, the one flipping into the crowd, two of the five. And they weren't like hardworking penalties. No. Nope. All right. So now it's time for our beauties and benders segment where we pick out three beauties, three players who really played above and beyond. And then three benders, three players that had a week, a really weak week. So to speak. Yeah. A week a they'd week. like to forget, maybe. All right, so my beauties to begin. Number three, I'm going to put Jakobs Borl in there. I think he was better in the in the uh, New Jersey game than in the Canadians game. But he was very f- noticeable in the Devils game, had a couple of really nice offensive chances, showed some offensive skill. I mean, he's still a first-round pick. It would really behoove them, the Bruins, for him to be a guy that they can slot in there from now going forward for the next few years because they could really use it, uh, not only particularly in that draft, but also because they could really use a left-shot D-man who can play both ways uh, and give them something, even if he's a good third pair. But he needs to be up here and stay up here, and I think he's warranted it so far. Uh, so I'll have Zaboro there at three. Two is Brad Marchand. I mean, he's been the most consistent player on the team, him and maybe Charlie Coyle. But Marchand pretty much head and shoulders above everybody else when it comes to consistency this year. He was a leader in that Devils win, so he's at two. And then I thought we really saw another level of Charlie McAvoy. So he's number one of my beauties this week. Had that really good game against the Canadians and showing a lot of more offensive ability that we knew he had, but he knew he had to come up with it as well. And and he's been really, really good probably in the past couple of weeks. So Charlie McAvoy, number one. My beauties. Eric Halla comes in at number three because uh, he scored a goal, got the monkey off his back. He's been good in the face-off dot. Maybe it's just one of those things where he's a little snake bit. He had been getting some chances, so it wasn't like he wasn't getting the chances, but he put one in, and and hopefully uh, that will lead to, uh, to more goals. Number two for me was Charlie Coyle. He had a really nice game Sunday um, against Montreal with the with the two goals. So far, doing pretty well as that second-line center. Five goals so far on the season. And then my number one beauty is Charlie McAvoy, another level Two goals, five assists this week. Playing really well. Dominant force back there. Leads the team in minutes. And um, it's nice to see him kind of take his game to another level. So uh, those are my three beauties this week. All right. And then the uh, benders, my bender, number three, I'm going to say Brandon Carlo. Face it. You're a neo-maxi zoom dweeby. He's a stay-at-home defenseman. He's, a, you know, he's supposed to be a physical defender. He has a little bit of offensive skills, a better skater than people think probably and realize. I don't know. There's something missing in his game. I, I thought he would take another step forward this year, especially when they needed it. He's a minus two this year. You know, he has one goal, one assist, 13 games. You know, again, he's not going to fill up the stat sheet. But I, I just think he can be more from Carlo, and I, and I expect more from him. Number two, Connor Clifton. Face it. You're a neo-maxi zoom dweeby. I'm with you on that. He should only be there with some extreme injury situations. I mean, he should be a stopgap when you need it. And that's about it. He shouldn't be in the regular rotation on defense. And then Jake DeBrusque. Face it. You're a neo-maxi zoom dweeby. As I mentioned before, just been invisible. And um, it's just not good enough. And at some point, they have to make a decision. He's an RFA at the end of the year. You just have to make a decision on what's going on with him. And you're going to just deal him and see if he can do change of scenery. Sam Bennett had a change of scenery this year from Calgary. And he went to Florida, I think it was. And he came out to a good start. Maybe Jake just needs a new a new system and a new team. Maybe it's just too stale. But uh, Jake is number one on my benders this week. So my benders this week, number three is Connor Clifton. Face it. You're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. Kind of self-explanatory. Number two is Connor Clifton. Face it. 
You're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. Also self-explanatory. And number one is Connor Clifton. Face it. You're a neo-maxi Zoom dweeby. Wow, that's a surprise. You think? <laughs> uh, he should be watching the games. He shouldn't be playing in the games. He should be watching the games. It infuriates me that he keeps getting time and a decent amount of time. Some games, like one game, he was like second or third on the team in ice time with like 18, over 18 minutes. He should yeah. not be playing. You want to play John Moore? You want to play Jakob Zaborl? You want to play anyone else right now except for Clifton? So, uh, yeah, he's my three, two, and one vendors of the week. I did see that Connor Ryan tweeted out today that Riley and, and Zaboro were, were playing a little bit together in practice. Maybe he goes Zaboro on the right side with Riley. I Fingers mean, crossed. Either, but uh, we'll see. Uh, all right, so top seven, Bruins-Benders power rankings. And number seven, a newbie, the Toronto Maple Leafs are on a three-game win streak and you know playing pretty well. Could this be the year they advance further? No. <laughs> No, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. No. But uh, I don't. Nothing screams at me that tells me that their core is any different now, or their culture is any. different. I mean, they've they've always had good offense. It comes down to goaltending and defense, and if they have it or not, we'll see. They've been saying Absolutely. that for a while. Absolutely, we'll see. Uh, number six, moving up a spot, the Rangers. New York Rangers three game win streak. They did lose Sammy Blay to a torn ACL. He's out for the year. Tough loss for them, but they do move up a spot with another three game win streak. Number five, Anaheim Ducks. How about that? Seven game win streak out of nowhere for the Ducks. Is Corey Perry still with them? His, uh, <laughs> no, he's been bouncing around a little bit. No. He was on, uh, what was he on? Montreal and then Tampa, I think. Yeah, uh -huh. he went on that. Uh, veterans do that. Bounce around to playoff teams, travel tour. Uh, number four, Washington with a four game win streak. Ovi, fourth all time in goals. Do you think he'll get Gretzky? I think he will. I think he will too. I think he's going to play long enough to to do it. And I mean, he loafs most of the time. So, you know, yes. <laughs> just throw him out there on the power play and let him hit bombs from the yeah. left wing circle. He'll get there. <laughs> he will. He definitely will. Florida, number three, they've lost four in a row. It's hard to believe that that team would lose four in a row after such a hot start. But they've hit a little bit of a wall, lost four in a row. So they are third. They dropped two spots. Edmonton moves up a spot. And Connor McDavid at a 600th point in 421 games. That's the sixth fastest ever. And then number one, Carolina moves up a spot back into the number one spot. The Hurricanes are very good this year and awfully dangerous. Awfully scary. And, and the Bruins have had some success in the past in the postseason. That makes me nervous. <laughs> Carolina now, as good as they are, will have some revenge on them if they do face them. Yeah, Carolina is very deep and balanced. They have good scoring on top three lines and, and a very solid decor. They're a good squad and looking pretty tough early in the season. So right. the bottom three, number 30, the Seattle Kraken have lost four in a row. They uh, have made their way into the bottom three here. Arizona, 31. They have three points in 15 games. Oh, my Lord. And are minus 37 goal differential. Holy smokes. So they're uh, in the running there for, uh, for the number one overall pick, so here, I think. So here's a question for you real quick. How about a, a reunion of Phil Kessel with the Bruins? I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that at all. I wouldn't all. mind it for a playoff run. Yeah, yeah, you want to trade Jake DeBrusque to Arizona yeah. for Phil Kessel? I'd entertain that. I would do it. Go back and iron it. Yeah. I'd entertain that. And then number 32, your yeah. Montreal Canadiens just yeah, took one four. took one hard from the Bruins, which was nice to see. Uh, the mm. Bruins uh, beat them. Even if the Bruins had lost, they still would have been 32nd. So mm. there's that. So yeah, Absolutely. Montreal coming in dead last because they are assholes and we ate them.
That's right. And the week ahead, Saturday at Philadelphia, and then Sunday home against Calgary, a tough back-to-back, both 7 o'clock starts, and then Wednesday midweek at Buffalo at 7 p.m. as well. So three tough ones after a week, after a five-day layoff again, the schedule maker. They plugged it into the formula, and it and the computer spit it out, something wrong. What the computer spit out was, let's fuck the Bruins, because <laughs> right. I think they've had, what, three stretches already this season where they've had, like, at least four days off between games, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yes. You know, early in the season, the season started on Tuesday. They didn't play till Saturday. Then they had another stretch was like a Saturday to Thursday. And then this one, you know, a Sunday to Saturday, which is unbelievable. It's really poor, but they'll get that long week off and then they'll head to Philadelphia where they lost before. Yeah, 6-3. So that's uh, something to look forward to. Philadelphia's playing fairly well. Carter Hart's actually kind of having a little bit of a bounce back season, which is kind of, I yeah. think, part of the reason that they've been playing well is because they've been getting the goaltending. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that was a dicey situation there with Hart. There was rumblings that he may not get it back, that he was a flash in the pan, but he has righted the ship a bit. So it'll be a good test for them for sure. And then Calgary has been good. Calgari is, is a pretty under the radar team. And, I, and Milan Lucic has had a fairly good start to the year. Yeah, Mangiapane, I think, has 10 or 11 goals to start the yeah. season for them. Uh, to Chuck there and Johnny Gaudreau. So they have some uh, some pretty good young talent. Absolutely. So that's the week ahead for the Bruins. And we want to remind you to check out our Twitter page, at Bruins Benders. We do game updates during the games. We also do some polls that you can be interactive with. Give us your votes on our Benders polls as well. And... You want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you do that, we will give some money to charity, and that charity being the Bruins Foundation. So for every rate and review, we will give some money out to the Bruins Foundation. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and do that and rate and review us. Give, you know, give us the five stars and then say whatever you like about us, and uh, we'll give some money to charity. Yeah, and then uh, one last one last item. Uh, we just found out from uh, our good friends over at Good Pods that we have the number one indie hockey podcast on Good Pods, as well as the number one overall hockey podcast on Good Pods. So uh, that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> it really is cool. Four episodes in, we're already up top there on Good Pods. And uh, the number 38, I believe, 38 overall sports podcast on Good Pods. Is that right? Yes, number 38 yep. overall sports. So uh, pretty proud of that. We want to thank mm-hmm. everybody that's listened so far. We really appreciate it. Tell all your hockey loving friends and uh keep us tuned in absolutely so download the good pods app check it out you can check out a bunch of podcasts on there and if you look up the category hockey you're gonna see us right there so that's cool so we appreciate everybody listening again every uh, wednesday we drop the new episodes and we hope everybody has a good week go bruins thanks a lot bye